Leveraging the diversity of this great nation has become an important aspect of running a successful law enforcement agency. When members of the public believe that their law enforcement organization represents them, understands them, and responds to them, and when communities perceive authority as fair, legitimate, and accountable, it enhances trust in law enforcement and instills public confidence in the government. Today we're joined by Robert Gaddy, a captain with the North Carolina Central University Police Department. Robert has 25 years of law enforcement experience. Robert also serves as the National Diversity Committee Chairman for the Fraternal Order of Police. I'm Patrick Yost, National President of Fraternal Order Police, and this is The Blue View. Robert, thanks for joining us today on The Blue View. There's a lot of information we want to unwrap here and talk about, but uh, before we do, how about telling our viewers, viewers and our listeners a little bit about, about yourself? Thank you. Thank you, Pat. I'm happy to be here. My name is Robert Gaddy. I am your National Diversity Chairman. I am also the State Vice President of North Carolina, as well as the local president of my local lodge, Durham Lodge Number 2. And it's a honor to be here, as I said. Um, Career-wise, I am a retired captain from Durham Police Department. And now, once again, I decided to jump back into the fire, and I'm the captain at North Carolina Central University, uh, where I oversee patrol operations. And so just a lifelong member, a career-long member of FOP, and uh, believe, totally believe in everything that we say and everything that we do. So, Robert, when we, when we talk about diversity, uh, a lot of people have misconception of what, uh, misconceptions of what it is and what it's not. But uh, I guess in, in a simple terms, uh, why diversity is very important is this. It, 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 it's not just race. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, sexual orientation. It's not, it's not just, it's, it really is a matter of, uh, of the way we think and, and the way we were brought up and, and, and the values that we have, uh, and how sometimes they don't, they don't always sound the same, but, but in reality, we all want the same thing. I, and I'll give you an example. I, I know, you know, growing up in South Louisiana, uh, that I did in the seventies, uh, I know that the way I look at things are probably far different than you do and, and somebody from New York or somebody from Chicago or somebody from Seattle. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's just a matter of uh, a difference in a, of the way we view things because of, because of our exposure uh, in life's lessons. Correct? Correct. I so, definitely agree. I mean, that's, that's really what diversity is. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot more than just uh, talking about, you know, race, religion, you know, uh, sexual orientation. It's, it really is about just pausing for a second and recognizing that, uh, that our backgrounds uh, that led us to this point to, you know, to serve in law enforcement in the communities we serve, um, you know, kind of give us a basis that, uh, that, that sometimes is skewed based off of our own, our, our own, uh, you know, uh, thoughts, our own processes that we had in, in our, our, you know, life experiences that we pull from. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's one of the things we talk about even when, with diversity is the unconscious biases that we have. It's not because you're brought up, um, you know, to not like or dislike one group, but there's some things that you do naturally as a human that you don't like. And so, you know, if, if you smell something that, that's bad, you frown up. That's just a natural reaction. And so when we talk about diversity and unconscious biases, those things are things that we do not because I'm black or because I'm white, or because I'm gay or because I'm straight. It's just because you're human. And I think people, you know, need to understand that and recognize that, OK, you know what? That person's not being uh, indifferent towards me, but they're being human because, you know, what? I don't like the same thing. You know, and I think when we people realize that things will get a lot better and we get away from some of this stuff or some of these things that uh, tend to 
back people down or push people away. Now, Robert, you know, yeah, the law enforcement agencies uh, in large uh, reflect the population of which they serve. And it's important that it does. It does so. Um, talk a little bit about in diverse communities uh, uh, where where we need some room for improvement. There's improvement. What steps should agencies be taking in order to be able to entice qualified candidates uh, to, to reflect the population within a community? Well, you know, one key thing with that with agencies, I think, is really recruiting members from those communities that reflect those communities. I think that you can't go wrong with that when you have someone that looks like you, that's representing you, has the same values and things that you do, you believe in, but also as much as those communities that are diverse teaching members that aren't from those communities, how to interact with those communities in a positive uh, interaction. You know, a lot of times when police are called, um, it's, it's doing the worst points of sometimes somebody's life, the worst moment in their life. But being able to interact, being able to touch those people, reach those people in a manner that they understand and respect. I think that's where departments really need to be focusing on on those key interactions with uh, those citizens from different communities. So, Robert, tell us tell us a little bit about your your years in law enforcement and 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 the evolution during that time and and your experiences, your uh, your impressions of law enforcement as it relates to diversity. Leveraging the diversity of this great nation has become an important aspect of running a successful law enforcement agency. When members of the public believe that their law enforcement organization represents them, understands them, and responds to them. And when communities perceive authority as fair, legitimate, and accountable, it enhances trust in law enforcement and instills public confidence in the government. Today we're joined by Robert Gaddy, a captain with the North Carolina Central University Police Department. Robert has 25 years of law enforcement experience. Robert also serves as the National Diversity Committee Chairman for the Fraternal Order Police. I'm Patrick Yost, National President of Fraternal Order Police, and this is The Blue View. Robert, thanks for joining us today on The Blue View. There's a lot of information we want to unwrap here and talk about, but uh, before we do, how about telling our viewers, viewers and our listeners a little bit about, about yourself? Thank you. Thank you, Pat. I'm happy to be here. My name is Robert Gaddy. I am your National Diversity Chairman. I am also the State Vice President of North Carolina, as well as the local president of my local lodge, Durham Lodge Number 2. And it's a honor to be here, as I said. Um, Career-wise, I am a retired captain from Durham Police Department. And now, once again, I decided to jump back into the fire, and I'm the captain at North Carolina Central University, uh, where I oversee patrol operations. And so just a lifelong member, a career-long member of FOP, and uh, believe, totally believe in everything that we say and everything that we do. So, Robert, when we, when we talk about diversity, uh, a lot of people have misconception of what, uh, misconceptions of what it is and what it's not. But uh, I guess in, in a simple terms, uh, why diversity is very important is this. It, 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 it's not just race. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, sexual orientation. It's not it's not just it's it really is a matter of uh, of the way we think and, and the way we were brought up and, and, and the values that we have uh, and, and how sometimes they don't. They don't always sound the same, but but in reality, we all want the same thing. I, and I'll give you an example. I, I know, you know, growing up in South Louisiana uh, that I did in the 70s, uh, I know that the way I look at things are probably far different than you do and, and somebody from New York or somebody from Chicago or somebody from Seattle. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's just a matter of uh, a difference in a, of the way we view things because of, because of our exposure uh, in life's lessons. Correct? Correct. I so, agree. 
I mean, that's, that's really what diversity is. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot more than just, uh, talking about, you know, race, religion, you know, uh, sexual orientation. It's, it really is about pausing for a second and recognizing that, uh, that our backgrounds, uh, that led us to this point to, you know, to serve in law enforcement in the communities we serve, um, you know, kind of give us a basis that, uh, that, that sometimes is skewed based off of our own, our, our own, uh, you know, uh, thoughts, our own processes that we had in, in our, our, you know, life experiences that we pull from. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's one of the things we talk about even when, with diversity is the unconscious biases that we have. It's not because you're brought up, um, you know, to not like or dislike one group, but there's some things that you do naturally as a human that you don't like. And so, you know, if, if you smell something that, that's bad, you frown up. That's just a natural reaction. And so when we talk about diversity and unconscious biases, those things are things that we do not because I'm black or because I'm white, or because I'm gay or because I'm straight. It's just because you're human. And I think people, you know, need to understand that and recognize that, OK, you know what? That person's not being uh, indifferent towards me, but they're being human because, you know, what? I don't like the same thing. You know, and I think when we people realize that things will get a lot better and we get away from some of this stuff or some of these things that uh, tend to back people down or push people away. Well, Robert, you know, yeah, the law enforcement agencies uh, in large uh, reflect the population of which they serve. And it's important that it does. It does. So um, talk a little bit about in diverse communities uh, uh, where, where we need some room for improvement. There's improvement. What steps should agencies be taking in order to be able to entice qualified candidates uh, to, to reflect the population within a community? Well, you know, one key thing with that, with agencies, I think is, really recruiting members from those communities that reflect those communities. I think that you can't go wrong with that when you have someone that looks like you, that's representing you, has the same values and things that you do, you believe in, but also as much as those communities that are diverse teaching members that aren't from those communities, how to interact with those communities in a positive uh, interaction. You know, a lot of times when police are called, um, it's, it's during the worst points of sometimes somebody's life, the worst moment in their life. But being able to interact, being able to touch those people, reach those people in a manner that they understand and respect. I think that's where departments really need to be focusing on on those key interactions with uh, those citizens from different communities. So, Robert, tell us tell us a little bit about your your years in law enforcement and, and, and the evolution during that time and, and your experiences, your uh, your impressions of law enforcement as it relates to diversity. Absolutely. So, you know, what I would tell you that when I started in 1995, my department looked totally different than how it looks now. Um, I came on the heels of two African-American police chiefs, which was really unique. Uh, but as you look at the department upper command, it never really reflected what the rest of the department. I would give Durham credit that our department is really diverse in terms of the number of African-Americans, uh, even now with the Hispanic Americans that are uh, come onto the department, the number of women, we've seen an increase versus when I first started in 95, there wasn't a whole lot of anything. And so we've had chiefs that have come in and prime examples, Chief Teresa Chambers, the things that she set up years ago to create diversity within Durham PD is reflective now because the, com the command staff is very diverse. You have a lot of African-Americans, you have a lot of Hispanics, you have a lot of women, um, and you you just have a real diverse group of folks. And so to see that reflect 
the community because there again we have a very diverse community. If you look at the community in Durham, it's not you know say it's not fifty fifty or anything, but there's a a high percentage of African Americans, a high percentage of Hispanics. We have a LGBTQ community that is growing every day. And even with our last chief, she's created liaison positions within the department, Uh, Hispanic liaison, LGBTQ plus liaison. And so we're doing these different things in the community, which really makes a better relationship or working relationship with the uh, community and respect for the officers. And so that's kind of what I've seen over the years going from, you know, at one point in time, we only had one African-American captain now to having, uh, and really no female captains, now to having multiple female captains, multiple assistant chiefs, multiple majors. Uh, it's just a, a been a, a real big change over my career at Durham PD. And to retire with that and see that happening is a good feeling. And knowing that law enforcement and how we're doing it here is going in the right direction. You know, Robert, I, I look, uh, you know, I, we all know law enforcement is kind of really going through a, a serious transition period over the last two years. A lot of challenges facing facing our profession. A demonization of law enforcement made it very hard for us to attract those best and brightest, uh, that next wave of law enforcement. And at the same time, just the uh, instability created by so many that would, you know, rather that, rather, rather curse the darkness and light a candle, uh, rather than try and find ways to bridge past uh, some of the community differences really, really threw fuel in a fire. And now they're cursing the very frames, flames they created. Um, how, and, you know, we're in a crisis situation right now. Uh, I, I've been saying this and, and signaling this for over a year now that uh, we've lost so many officers uh, and, and so few coming in. So what we have two challenges that we see. Those officers that are still, still on the street every day making a difference in their communities, they're tired. They're tired because they're they're working short shifts and, you know, in a lot of cities across this country. And so, you know, the well-being of the officers that are there. But but the other problem is, is if we flip the switch today, I mean, right now, if I had a magic switch and I could flip it and everybody loves the police again. And uh, we had, a you know, a, a hundred applicants for every open position we had and we filled every one of those with qualified candidates. By the time they go through training and all of the things that are necessary before we have a seasoned officer, we're looking at five years before we can fix this. How, how can diversity play a key role in, uh, and what needs to be done for diversity to play a key role in attracting the best and the brightest uh, to, to be the next wave of law enforcement? Well, you know, and the thing is, um, what we recognize or what we should be recognized is people just, the money doesn't work. And as I think what you what you just hit right there, recognizing that people are from diverse backgrounds and really um, focusing on those particular things that are important to different groups, whether it's the LGBTQ plus um, culture, whether it's African-American, whether it's Hispanic, whether it's recruiting women in general. We have to recognize those things that are important to those different cultures and also involve when, when, when we're looking to recruit, looking from people that represent those different backgrounds and the many others that's out there, just not those, but looking and making sure that we're talking to those people within our department, within our, within our circle, that they have input. Because a lot of times, uh, I think, you know, that in, in, in police work, uh, the brass will make a rule and just send it down without consulting anyone. And that perspective has not worked and does not work. And so for me, I think it's important that we understand these different um, different cultures and we are inclusive 
and you know, and it's, you know, diversity and inclusion. Uh, make sure that we're inclusive and people feel welcome. And the other side is making sure that they know that they know that they're welcome and that they are. Because when we include them in the process or include anyone in the process, they have buy-in and they're going to give you a better product. They're going to give you more involvement. And I think that's to me key. You know, I think regardless, and we're talking about diversity right now, we're really talking about anything. I think you hit a key point and that is, is uh, people want to, people want to feel like they're valued yeah. uh, and regardless, and, you know, and you talk about, uh, you know, rules and regulations. I think r- really, if you're looking uh, to to recruit the best and the brightest across uh, across all diversity lines. Uh, it, it really starts with stability. Uh, and a lot of agencies struggle with a whole lot of things. And and, and a, a problem that we have is that uh, law enforcement is low hanging fruit on a on a tree of uh, failed promises. And uh, so we we tend to take it on a chin for everything that falls short in every community because because the public can reach us, they can touch us. We, we're the, probably the most accessible of everybody. But in reality, the, the, the quality of life in a community has to do with a whole lot of factors, and law enforcement is just a part of it. The criminal justice system has a whole lot of factors, and you know, police officers are just a part of it. Uh, and if we don't work all together, if we don't have that diversity, if we don't have that those those diverse opinions and uh, those, that that meaningful discussion, uh, towards uh, the common goal of providing, you know, quality life within the communities we serve, we're never going to hit that mark. Yeah. Um, so, and we just everybody wants to feel valued and feel they have they have some input on it. But uh, I just uh, the segue from from you know something that you mentioned, but really uh, when it comes down to it, what, we, what we need to do is we got to find a way to provide stability uh, in a law enforcement profession. We've got to those uh, those people who who uh, who benefit from dividing us are doing uh, they're doing a harm, uh, irreparable yeah. harm to their community. Communities. You know, we, we look at crime rates going up, going up all across this country. Uh, who's who's suffering the most? Uh, I could tell you who it is. There's no question. Uh, it is it is it is the very communities that uh, those who are arguing that we need to abolish policing or reimagine policing. They are the ones that are taking are, are really losing the, the most out of this. Uh, and, and so I, there has to be if we're going to be successful, what we're doing. There has to be some meaningful discussion, some meaningful dialogue to take those those diverse opinions, uh, uh, you know, a diversity within our community, and everyone be part of that solution rather than uh, than pointing fingers at each other. Uh, that really is the the, the key Absolutely. the key to us moving forward. Robert, uh, um, if if you could, uh, I know you uh, you're chairman of uh, you're on your third year as chairman of the diversity committee, and you have a pretty dynamic group of people that are nationwide. Uh, who have different perspectives themselves as well. So if you could talk a little bit about your committee and the work that it does and some of the, some of the projects that you uh, all have uh, in, in, you know, in pipeline right now. Absolutely. Thank you, Pat. Yeah. My committee, um, it goes, you know, from uh, Arkansas, it goes to here in North Carolina, down to Texas, uh, Maryland, New Jersey. We have a very, you know, even South Dakota. Uh, we have a lot of folks in different parts of the uh United States, and it represents, you know, really great areas and really gives us an opportunity to have some diversity and some different opinions and different things. Because what I see here in North Carolina is definitely different from someone in South Dakota. What I see they see in South Dakota is definitely different than someone in Texas. And so 
it just makes my committee really flourish. And when we get the, when we get on the, the different calls and we're talking about things going on, it really makes for some great conversation. The other side is it's just not all young folks. It's just not all working officers. It's retired folks. It's older folks. Uh, it's middle aged folks like myself. But uh, anyway, um, it's just a great variety of folks. And so we've had an opportunity to get together and we want it to be different as a committee. Uh, I think and nothing, no, no criticisms on uh, past committees, uh, but we want it to be a little bit different and we want it to really stretch out as do as much as we can. And that was one of the reasons we looked at doing a uh, diversity summit uh, coming up here in a few months in October. And that's just one of the the things that we're looking at. And there's some other things that we're looking at, but that's our biggest project right now. And we've all, you know, all hands on deck and everybody's invested in it and everybody thought it was the thing to do. And so, um, like I said, we're going to be doing this diversity summit in Charlotte and uh, looking forward to it. So Robert, I, I, tell us a little bit about the agenda uh, for the, for the summit. Oh man, it's a, it's a great agenda. Uh, it's a, like you said, it's a two day summit. Um, of course, you know, the first day we'll do the traditional, uh, welcoming from the city folks and all that kind of stuff. But then I have a great instructor out of Florida. He's a retired. And what what we try to do with the law with the, the instructors is get law enforcement personnel either currently current or retired. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Greg Salters, is out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He's a retired assistant chief. And he's going to uh, open up after the opening ceremonies. And we're going to talk about procedural justice and those things that we do with law enforcement that are not necessarily police problems, but the way the procedure is written and are we following that kind of stuff. And then and once we do that, then we're going to also break and do our, go into our four breakout sessions, which is great. We're going to do LGBTQ plus cultural awareness, which I think everybody is familiar with Tommy Reyes out of uh, Miami, number 20. Yeah, he's president, uh, uh, president of Miami Lodge. Great guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's going to talk about uh, that. Uh, we're going to do um, Hispanic cultural awareness. I have a sergeant out of Alamance County Sheriff's Office. Um, he and his wife, believe it or not, are going to come up and they're going to do uh, his name is Raheem Aline. And he's out of uh, Alamance County, uh, which is Burlington, North Carolina, to give people a reference point. Uh, his wife is Hispanic, and they're going to come in and talk about Hispanic cultural awareness. Um, they're getting African-American cultural awareness. We're going to do Dr. Salters. And then we're going to have uh, one of my retired uh, captains. I had somebody out of uh, Memphis, but since we switched, I'm going to actually get someone here from North Carolina, a uh, retired captain, Denise Campbell. She's going to come in, and she's going to do the female cultural awareness. And the, Denise is uh, retired a few months before me, so I'm still kind of jealous about that. But I'll, I've kind of let that go. And that first day, we're going to bring we're going to break the 125 down to just smaller groups, and everybody's going to rotate to through these different uh, cultural awarenesses and just really understand what you don't understand. And then the other side is also if you have something to add to that, and you're from that particular culture, you know, because the instructors already know they don't know everything, just like you know, which is great. They're open to hearing what you got in different perspectives because that's what we're about. We're building on perspectives, and so we'll do those breakout sessions in the morning and afternoon. And then we're going to come back that afternoon and have a town hall discussion about what we learned, what was new to us, what we didn't learn and what we could have done better, that kind of stuff. And so that's going to be a really great afternoon. Um, then the next day we're going to come back and we'll do uh, just a full day. No, no rotating classes. Cause that kind of gets monogamous after a while. And so I recognize that. And, uh, but we're going to come in and we're going to do uh, unconscious bias awareness training. Um, that's with the group out of here in Durham. So after 
we finish unconscious bias awareness training, we're going to go into a uh, chief's roundtable where we have various chiefs from different agencies from across the United States, some retired, some active duty, all talking about the different perspectives of diversity. And really diversity through adversity is what we're calling it because of the times that we're in as law enforcement. And, and tell us a little bit about your keynote speaker. Our keynote speaker is one of our FOP attorneys, Kevin Drummond out of Florida as well. And he brings a lot, you know, what, what's unique about Kevin is he was a police officer, now turned attorney, and uh, he's one of our FOP attorneys. And apparently, recently he was uh, one of the speakers at the Legal Summit, Legal Aid Summit in Las Vegas. And so he's very excited about delivering his uh, message to us about diversity. And Yeah, it's uh, the, the class size is limited to 125, correct? Yes, sir. It's 125 registered people. And so I'm telling you right now, if you hadn't seen my commercial or seen the infomercial that uh, we did with Travis, those guys, you better register fast because the seats are going quick. And that's and I, I truly mean that. And that's and we're looking forward to filling it up. Yeah, I'd be surprised uh, if we don't find ourselves in a crisis uh, situation and people wanting to get in and, uh, and not be able to accommodate them. I, I know I'm hearing a lot of buzz of people planning on attending, so now's the time to register. Uh, if someone wants to register, how do you go about it, uh, Robert? Well, uh, they can go to FOP.net. I actually saw it on, a, and I don't know if you ever heard this or not, but we do have an FOP app, and it's free. And so I've seen it on the free app. And so uh, I would encourage people to use that free app to, you know, uh, register on it and uh, just, you know, sign up, like I said, the FOP.net or even, you know, I've talked and I have to thank, you know, Pat, you have a wonderful staff at the national office. Uh, Stephanie uh, Simpson has been just phenomenal. And so I think that, you know, if, even if you reached out to her and said, hey, I want to get in this class, I hadn't I hadn't found it any other way, but I heard Robert say it on the uh, podcast, you know, do it. <laughs> Reach out. Like I said, you know, worst case scenario, call me, email me. I'll get you registered. But uh, I want people to come. I think this is just going to be a great time. And Charlotte's a beautiful city. In October, it's not necessarily too hot, but it's not cold either. So uh, I say that now. It'll probably either be hot one day, 110 degrees, and then snow the next day. But uh, typically, we have great weather in North Carolina this time of year. And so it's a great time to see it. The other side is the falls changing, uh, coming, the leaves and stuff are changing. So Really good time, a good place, and uh, Charlotte's the city for it. And I would have to say that Lodge 9 has stepped up, and they're really going to help us out as well as the North Carolina State Lodge. And so uh, really good time to do it. Well, that's great. Uh, Robert, uh, thank you for joining us. I'm going to give you a chance to do some fun, give us some final words on diversity and why it's so very important. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And so what I will say, and I truly mean this, that I think when we bring in the diversity, as a organization or as an agency, it really demonstrates how effective we can be when we get people involved. Um, it's essential to law enforcement that we do this because there again, we serve the community. We serve a very diverse community, not just one section, one group of folks, one sec uh, section of folks. We serve everyone. And I think that even as a organization, taking these same values and putting this as a part of our organization will carry over and make law enforcement better. And that's what we do at FOP. We're here to make law enforcement the best uh, profession there is. And so uh, I'm 100% behind it. 
Well, Robert, thank you for, for all that you do. Thanks to the committee for, for making us a priority, uh, something very important to the Fraternal Order Police. And uh, and uh, just looking forward to, to a great uh, conference and, and, and great things to come, come in the future, too. So, And to our listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to the, to the Blue View, where we talk about those vo- issues that are so vitally important to the men and women who suit up and show up every single day in communities across America. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else to get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.